If you have a Bible, if you want to turn with me to the very beginning, we're going to be in Genesis 1 and 2, and we'll also be in the book of Galatians, so a little bit in the back uh, today on Mother's Day, with a sermon entitled, The Roar of Woman. Uh, are you ready for it? <laughs> I got some applause before we started. That's awesome. Let's hope it's applause after I'm finished, right? Um, but Mother's Day for me is very bittersweet. I'm so grateful for the amazing godly mother that my, my Savior has provided for me. But my mom is in glory. Uh, she is with Jesus. So uh, even yesterday, my sister Allison sent me some pictures of mom and mom with my kids and She's like, oh man, just missing mom on Mother's Day. And I know that that's probably a reality for many of us, uh, that Mother's Day has a bit of a, uh, a hole in our hearts. But I'm so grateful for the godly mother that, my, that, that God has provided for me. But I want to tell you about my, my favorite present or a present that I gave to my mother on a Mother's Day, or probably the one I should be honest to say, the one I remember the most. And I, I think it was a class present uh, present that we did together, maybe in like the second grade, uh, that we took uh, some clay and that we were going to make pins for our mother to give to our mother on Mother's Day. And so, you know, a lot of the kids, they made their pins and some used blue paint to paint their pins. Uh, some use red, some use yellow, some use white. But I wanted to have the most special pin that you could ever have because my mom was the best. And so I wasn't going to just pick one color. I wanted to pick all the colors. And so, you know, she was the best. And probably being colorblind didn't help me when it came to color selection. So uh, the color I made, I don't think would ever be on the crayon that uh, would tell you what color it was. And the only way I could describe it, it was it was poop brown, right? It was a poop brown uh, pin that I gave to my mom, and, and uh, wow, she wore it like only a mother could, with incredible pride. I mean, put that on, like, and I think that people came with that, excuse me, I think you might have had a little bird dropping on you. Oh, no, no, my son made that. Oh, isn't he talented, right? You know, um, but moms have a way of taking junk and making it incredible because uh, they love us. But it's interesting that all of uh, females and males have a beauty in and of themselves. Why? Because we are made in God's image. We are made wonderfully and fearfully. And society has tried to add, add to what God's good design for male and female is all about tried to add what they would want to put in. And I got to tell you, in a lot of ways, as they've added different things into the reality of what God has done, it's kind of a poop brown color, to be honest with you. It's not what God has really designed. In a world where gender distinctives have been blurred, I mean, did you ever think we would live in this world, but gender distinctives have been blurred, even saying that they're fluid, that marriage has been redefined, and the roles of men and women have been much maligned. We need to go back. We need to go back to the beginning of God's good design for men, God's good design for women, because why our sin has so distorted what the picture is, uh, our, our culture has been meddling with what God has been doing. And this morning, we're going to go back to the beginning. We're going to see the beauty of God's design, the roar of woman. 
Now, here's the good news. It's for men and women. We all both have to understand this. It's for married men, women and, and single women. It's just for all of us. So if you're here and you think, oh, darn, it's Mother's Day. I got to hear a Mother's Day sermon. No, no, no. You're going to hear, Lord willing, a gospel sermon. You're going to hear a sermon based on God's word that's not just for the women in our congregation. This is as important for the men, for us to realize how it is that God has designed us, both man and women, in his image. And Lord willing, as the Holy Spirit works, empowering his word, we will hear that beautiful roar of woman this morning. We will see the beauty of God's design in three things. We're going to look at both men and women have equal footing before God. We will see the necessary partnership for the plan of God. And then we'll see different roles designed by God. There is so much to tell you. There are so many things that obviously one sermon can't contain it all. So we're going to look at these important three truths and see and dig into God's word and ask him to come and to bless. We're going to begin in the creation account in Genesis 1, verse 26. We will pick up the story. I'm going to read Genesis 1, verses 26 through 31. We're going to jump to Genesis 2, verses 7 through 9, 15 through 25. And then we're going to turn to Galatians 28 and 29. No matter if we're in the Old Testament or the New Testament, wherever we find ourselves, this is God's word. It's holy. It's inerrant. It'll never lead us astray. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life. I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Chapter 1 is going to tell us the creation story. Chapter 2 is a beautiful retelling of the, of the creation story with more detail. We will pick that up in verse 7. Then the Lord formed the man of dust. The, then the Lord formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, 
But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to the livestock and to the birds of the heaven, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, whoa, it's in the Hebrew. This at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and the wife were both naked and were not ashamed. The end of Galatians, Paul writes to the church in Galatia in Galatians 3 verses 28 and 29. There is therefore, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, thank you for the beauty of your creation story. Thank you that you've given us a story. You didn't give us a textbook. You gave us a living, true word that tells us who you are, that tells us who we are, and our worth in you being made in your image. And God, we thank you that in this story, it all points to your son and how we can be redeemed cleansed and made new because of his life, death, and resurrection. Oh God, we ask that, that you would be the storyteller this morning. That God, that you would be pleased to tell your story through a broken sinner like me. That God, you would give us the ears to hear your voice, the minds that would understand your word because our minds have been so filled with what the world thinks is true. And what the world thinks of males and females, God, help us shine your truth into the darkness of our minds. God, would you give us hearts that would embrace your truth? And God, would you gracious give us feet that would walk in a manner worthy of your truth and your word for the glory of your son? God, the things that I say that are wrong or, or merely my opinion, may those things fall away and be forgotten quickly. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the gospel, would you use those things to make us more like your son, our Savior, Jesus? And it's in his matchless name that we pray. Amen. The first thing we see in God's word is that he's created both male and female together in his image. And we have equal footing before God, both male and female. Now, for many of you may say, well, of course we do. But let's look a little bit deeper at this and see what this really means. Again, in verses 26 and 27, God is creating everything. And as he's creating all things, he's looking, he says, this is good. He takes a pause. 
All of a sudden, in his creation story in chapter 1, God pauses and he draws back and he has a counsel with himself. He has like a, a little, you know, he pulls back and says, hey, let us now make in our own image man. And let us make man in our image, the image of God, both male and female, he created them. The first thing that we are taught in this is that man and woman are made in God's image. And we probably miss this, but this is scandalously good news. Stick with me. If we right now had the ability to slide our feet into these sandals of the original hearing audience, or the original reading audience, you see, Moses wrote this. And when did Moses write this? Very interesting when you get the context of how this was written. Moses wrote this after the Exodus, after God's people who had been enslaved in Egypt, how they've been set free from these miraculous plagues. They've passed through the Red Sea miraculously. They're headed to the promised land. And Moses is writing these words. Now, the place they just left, the most powerful place on the earth at that time, Egypt, they believed that the image bearers and the image bearers alone were the pharaohs. They believed that the rulers, the king of Egypt, they were the ones, and they were the only ones who were the sons of God. They were the ones who heard God's plans, the gods of the heavens or wherever, and then they would take the plans of God because they were the sons of God, and they would execute the plans of God on earth. And what did they do? They built pyramids, and they do different things. And they were the only ones who were considered sons of God. They were the only ones who were considered image bearers of the gods. And here Moses tells us, no, 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 that story is not even close. Now, let me tell you, every male and female has been made in the image of God. And made in the image of God, a man made all men in his image, not just the kings and the rulers. He's made every single person that he's ever created in his image. And then he had the audacity and the beauty and the scandalous good news to say, by the way, women who at that time were not given the rights that they should have given, been given or the, or, or the realization of how God has made them, he says, women are made in my image too, in the image of God. Now, we live in today's day and culture, so oh, yeah, well, this is, this is probably straightforward. But I'm telling you, this is scandalously good news. It's not just the kings that are supposed image bearers, sons of God. It is all of us, sons and daughters. And if we slipped our, our, our feet into their sandals, we would say, wow, this is amazing. Because all men and women are image bearers of God, men and women too, this is such good news for the church. And we all are called together to execute God's plan. So together, uh, we have equal footing. We're both made in God's image, but we're also both male and female. We're given dominion over the earth. In verses 26 to 28, again, then the Lord said, again, let's make man in our image after our likeness and let them, the plural, let them have dominion, both male and female, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Together, according to God's word, this is so beautiful and wonderful, together both man and woman are given dominion, rule over God's creation. Now, together we're called what, script, what theologians might call vice-regents. 
So we know that God is the ultimate king of kings and lord of lords, right? And he's made us in his image. Uh, he's made us here to represent him. We are called vice regents. We represent the king. And we represent God, our king, on earth. But both men and women together are to be the ones who represent him. We together are to rule over God's creation. God is our king. We rule together in his place for the glory of our great God and for the good of our neighbor, together in equal footing, made in his image, given dominion uh, over the earth. Not only that, but together we've both been given God's blessing. I love it. It just says in verse 28 uh, that the God had blessed them. He didn't just bless the male. He didn't just bless the female. It's not about just male rule or feminism. It's about how God has blessed us both, both male and female. God has blessed them. He blessed them together. So we see in this beautiful passage that, that there is equal footing before God, both male and female. But we also see that there's a necessary partnership for the plan of God. For the plan of God, that God, before time began thinking of this great earth, the only way his plan would work is if we had male and female. Both men and women are necessary for God's plan to be executed. What it says now... I love the fact because both men and women both are commanded to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth and to subdue it. This is called, this is again what scripture, uh, what theologians will often call the cultural mandate. Why God has created us in his image. Why he has created male and female. The cultural mandate that he says in Genesis 1 and 2 is, like, listen, be fruitful, multiply. Fill the earth with my glory and subdue it. He's basically saying this to us. Bring light into darkness. Bring order into the chaos. Bring beauty into the void. Fill the earth with God's glory. How do we fill the earth with God's glory? We make more image bearers. We make more image bearers by having children. And we know on this side of the cross, we make more image bearers redeemed in the blood of Christ. We make disciples followers of Christ together. We are both commanded to be fruitful and multiply. It was true in the cultural mandate, and it's true in the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Multiply. That has been God's call for both of us. Both are needed to multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Now, um, this may sound crazy to say, but to multiply and fill the earth, you, you need a male and a female. No matter how our world or our culture redefines gender and marriage, it is absolutely impossible to reproduce without a male and a female. That's just the reality of it. And so this is God's good design. This is God's design from the beginning. God designed it that he made male in his image, female in his image. He commanded us to multiply, to fill the earth with his glory. And no matter how we redefine marriage, how we redefine gender, you cannot multiply without a male and a female. Only together can we be fruitful. Only together can we multiply. Both sexes are needed to fill the earth and subdue it. This is God's good design. This was his good design for us. 
So we, know, we see that it is necessary uh, for uh, partnership for God's plan to succeed. But he gives us different roles. Thirdly, different roles designed by God. It's interesting the declaration that is made. God creates all things. He says, man, it is really, really good. This is paradise. This is God and man living together in harmony. This is, this is beauty and perfection. But God says it's not good that man shall be alone in paradise. He says this when God and man have a relationship that was unbroken and unblemished by sin. Hit pause. This is a time where, where man and his God creator walk together in the cool of the evening in paradise. This is a time when, when, when creation wasn't broken and he set us as a dominion over all of the earth. And, and we were reigning and ruling for him without a creation that was broken. But it wasn't good. It wasn't good that man was alone. Why wasn't it good that man was alone? Well, I think a few things we've got to be, realize this. One, being made in God's image. Man is created like God. Like God, God is always forever lived in community. There is one true and living God. He exists in three persons, a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There has never been a time where God did not exist in community. And so he has made us like him. He has made us for community, to live in community with one another. That's how the Trinity has always existed. But for God's story, watch this, for God's story and for God's plan to be complete, the only way we can do that is you had to have male and female. The story wasn't complete with just a male made in his image. So what did God do? God designed a helpmate for man, fit, he made a helpmate from man, fit for man. A helpmate. Ladies, let me ask you a question. You're a helpmate. How does it make you feel? I would imagine the way we live right now in our culture is that that's a stinky word. I don't like that. It doesn't sound right. Uh, it's not a term that our society embraces, but this is what God made woman to be. And I think if we examine it, it's something a whole lot more beautiful than you ever imagined. There's more to helpmate than what meets the ear and maybe even the eye. The Hebrew word is azer or ezer. This is the Hebrew word. It's used over 80 times in the Old Testament and it's usually used in a military context. It's usually used as, as one who will help uh, fight battles, one who will fight win battles. I mean, this is not some wimpy little, you know, somebody that, 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 is, that is a helpmate, that, that milk toast. This is God created a warrior in woman. And the only way for God's plan to succeed on earth is he created male in his image, image female in his image, and he made her, yes, a helpmate, but he made her this, this easer, this warrior. That's, by the way, God himself calls himself an easer. God is. Psalm 46.1, our ever-present help in times of trouble. God himself refers to this term. It's not a derogatory term. God is pleased to be named a helper. He is our helper. Um, I, I love the fact that I, just this morning as I'm reading through scripture, I was in 1 Samuel. Uh, Eliezer is one, and his name means our help is from God. 
It's, it's, it's in that word, it's in that name of, of someone who had the name in Scripture. And in that same text that I was reading, uh, Samuel raises up an Ebenezer, our stone of help. And so this name Ezer is a name that's used many times, usually in the context of military, oftentimes used by God himself as one that God has designed. God's design is creating woman to be a warrior. Picture this, alongside man to execute God's good plan to rule and reign over creation to fill the earth with his glory. God created woman uh, from man to be fit for man. Woman is from man. Uh, bone of my bone. I, I, I told you the word woe there in the Hebrew. Uh, you know, when, when, when finally uh, uh, Adam was able to see woman, man, I mean, imagine the, the perfect woman uh, before sin, before anything. had. I mean, that, that was God's creation. I imagine there was at least one. Whoa. But what did he say? That's his bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Man needed woman to do what God called man to do. Let's just get, guys, let's think about that. We needed help on our best day. On our best day before we had a broken relationship with God because of sin. We needed help. We can't complete God's plan on our own. Man needed woman to do what God has called man to do. So he created woman. And in man's, in God's manifold wisdom, I love how he shows Adam that he's alone and he needs a helpmate. And you read scripture, it's so beautiful. What starts off is this, is that God makes a declaration. He says, it is not good that man shall be alone. I mean, he's, he's already declared that everything he made is great. And he says, this is all good. This is all fantastic. And now he's going to change and say, wait, by the way, the way, there's one thing that's not good. And it's that man is alone. But then he shows man that he is alone. And it's, and it's one of my favorite texts of scripture. How does God show that man is alone? Here's how he does it. He does something really beautiful. He brings the animals to Adam. And he brings the, Adam, the animals to Adam. Why? So Adam will name the, uh, the animals. Why did God do that? Did he run out of names? Did he, just, did he just not know what to name them? He couldn't think of hippopotamus and giraffe? No. Uh, the same reason the Athades named Lily, Lily. Lily and Jane Athade. Why did you name them, her that? Because you have dominion over Lily. God has placed her in your home as you are the authority of Lily. Um, you are their parents. And as the parents of Lily, uh, you are able to name Lily. Well, remember what, what did God give to Adam and, and to, to Eve? He gave them dominion. He gave them rule. How do you have dominion and rule? You name creation. It's a beautiful thing. But God in his infinite wisdom was doing two things. Not only is he showing Adam's dominion over all of creation, hippopotamus, mule, uh, you know, dog, cat, birds, whatever he's named them, he's just coming up with names. God is also amazingly beautiful showing that man is alone. Every animal that he sees, he's like, man, this one's not like me. This one's, I can't really hang out with this one. This one's not really fit for me. This one, and I, and, I, and, I, and I know you've probably heard me, if you heard me preach, say this before, but I just had this picture in my mind that when the dog came, it was a golden retriever. And, and I just picture Adam getting on the one knee saying, this is my helpmate, this is my helpmate. Go get it, boy! Oh my gosh, this has got to be my best friend. He's speaking, this has got to be it! 
And God says, no, no, I got something way better than a golden retriever. Wait till you see what I'm going to create. It's going to cost you a rib. But man, it's going to be unbelievable. Because why? Because woman is going to be fit for you. Fit for you. Made from you and fit for you. Now, not just for our pleasure, not just so that we can enjoy marriage and, and the beauty of having male and female. And we know that that's a beautiful, pleasure, wonderful thing that God created. But he did it for not just us. He did it for himself. Because we cannot accomplish the plan of God. If he didn't give us different roles, different genders, male and female. It's the only way we can accomplish God's design for us. He made us a helpmate. God designed man and woman to be one in marriage. I love it. What does God do? As soon as God makes two, what does he immediately do? He makes two, and as soon as he makes two, he makes them one. That's a great thing. He makes a wedding. I mean, immediately he makes male and female, and as soon as he makes two, he makes them one. Why? Well, certainly, uh, this is God's good design for creation to be accomplished, to, to be able to fill the earth with his glory. But again, being made in God's image, God is triune, and you have one true and living God, and this mysterious God that, that has revealed himself, if one true and living God, stick with me here, he is three separate persons. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They exist together as one God in three persons. They don't morph into three different persons. They are. Three separate persons in one true and living God. They are equal in power and glory. The Father has no more power or glory than the Son or the Holy Spirit. Our God is equal in power and glory, but they have different personalities and they have different roles. It's the Father who always plans and initiates. It's the Son who executes and accomplishes and submits. And it's the Holy Spirit that enables and applies. Now watch this. I believe that God has created us and created marriage. One of the primary reasons, obviously, to fill the earth with his glory. But it's also to reflect who he is. There's one God that exists in three persons. And he creates marriage to be two persons that become one in Christ Jesus. And the primacy of marriage is, is said here. I love this. By the way, the most important, every time I do marriage counseling and I see sitting in front of me is a couple I'm about to marry and, you know, they got the stars in their eyes and, and they have no idea what's coming, you know. You want to tell them, whoa. I always say the same thing. Marriage is better than I dreamed and I'm a dreamer. And it's harder than I imagined. And my son always says, I'm waiting for you to say, and I'm imaginary. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but, it's, but it's hard, right? But I always say this. I, say, I, I point to the couple, and I always say, listen, the most important family moving forward is on the couch right there. It's right there. Because why? Because of this, God said, a man shall leave his father and mother and cling, cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. You know, uh, Rob, the guy sitting next to you, Jackson, man, I mean, he's a good dude, isn't he? I mean, I, I love him. But Melissa's primary, primary role, and I know you know it, is the Jackson. She'll always be a Millette. But you know what? That's something that God is saying. That's the primacy of marriage that God is, has for us. And the beauty of this is that God has designed husband and wife 
to be able to live together in a oneness that they we're naked and unashamed, that we can be face to face, know the truth, and side, side by side, fighting and vulnerable for one another. But the sin and the fall of mankind has affected everything. And I, I don't have time to unpack all this, but let me just say, no one's in this room, no one watching, none of us has had uh, been unscathed by the brokenness of sin. Every one of us, our sexuality has been affected by the fall. Every one of us. We all have issues. We do. Every single one of us. And because of the fall of the fall and the issues now we have, it's just confusion. This confusion is, 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 we have male roles and female roles and what, what a gender and marriage. And there's a great confusion. We got to, as God's word, be unapologetic to the truth that God has revealed us to. But we also need to be merciful and kind to those who aren't there yet there, yet there. And those who are struggling with some things that we don't, we should be the most gracious, loving people. Because why? Before we remove the speck out of their eyes, let's remove the log from our own. All of us are broken. All of us need a savior. All of us struggle. But in Christ Jesus, we have been made one. We need God's word to tell us what is his good design. And we are one in Christ and joint heirs. I love what Galatians 3, I threw that in to say, remember that in Christ Jesus, um, we have been made one in him. And we are joint heirs. This is scandalously good news. This doesn't mean that we've lost our maleness. This doesn't mean that we've lost our femaleness. We are one in Christ and we are joint heirs. We have equal footing with Jesus, the necessary partnership for the plan of God in Christ Jesus, but we are one. You know, I'm pretty sure I made the ugliest Mother's Day present probably ever in the history of Mother's Day presents is I made those brown pins that my mom wore. wore. Why? Because I thought it was a good idea to mix all the colors together. It wasn't the best idea. The best idea isn't listening to what culture will say is the role of male and female, the role of marriage, the role, we need to listen to God. We can't mix it together to make some big goobly clop. What is it, God? What is your glorious design for a man made in your image and a woman made in your image? Both giving charge over your creation, both receiving your blessing, both one in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Father God, thanks for this incredible word. And it's, it's tough. It's, this is not a, a sermon that's easy to preach because I know that we're swimming upstream culturally. I know that there'll be many that will call us old-fashioned or, or behind the times. Count me in. If standing by your word and your truth means that we're swimming against the tide of culture, God, we're, we're called to do that. You are the one who made male and female in your image. This is scandalously good. You are the one who makes us one in Christ Jesus. You are the one who have given us different roles to accomplish. The role of a woman and a role of man, it's different. And we don't have time to unpack all of that. But God, I thank you for this beautiful reality. And God, I acknowledge that sin in our culture has just blurred the truth. It's blurred the truth in my own life. It's blurred the church and it blurred that truth in the church. And there's a lot of confusion that is reigning. But God, I thank you that there's no confusion with you. And God, would you help King's Chapel to be faithful to your word and true for your glory, even when it's uncomfortable. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.